Okay, I have to tell you about Girl Boss Daily, your must-read morning newsletter. I cannot start my day without it. It's packed with leadership advice, productivity inspo, and wellness tips to help you navigate your day at work. Finally, a newsletter you're actually going to look forward to. Join over 200,000 ambitious women and sign up at girlboss.com forward slash newsletter. That's girlboss.com forward slash newsletter. Hello, I'm your host, Avery. I'm the founder and CEO of Bloom, a workplace design consultancy and a firm believer that work should work for all of us. Today, we're talking about lazy girl jobs and why I personally don't believe that they exist. And of course, we're going to be hearing from Victoria and Liz on their thoughts as well. And in our conversation, we actually answer all the questions you might be wondering. What is a lazy girl job? Why is the default lazy girl job and not lazy boy job? And can anyone really get away with having one? Let's get into the episode. I've been dying to have this conversation about the whole concept of lazy girl jobs. I have my own personal grievances with the term, but I think that it'd be great for us to hold space to have a conversation about it. We're going to switch gears a little bit here. So Victoria, who's a senior writer and co-produces Girl Boss Radio, she's going to guide the conversation because I feel like I have so much to say. So she's going to facilitate it. And we have Liz, who's a GM at Girl Boss, joining us also. Amazing. Thanks for the intro, Avery. So the first question I have, what is a lazy girl job? So I wanted to, in true lazy girl fashion, take to ChatGPT to understand what is a lazy girl job? What does it mean? And I'm going to share the definition because I think that it's really interesting and a bit telling because it pulls the thread a little bit further than what I thought it was. So ChatGPT tells me that the term Lazy girl job is often used in light-hearted or humorous way to refer to jobs or tasks that require minimal effort or are perceived as easy to do. It doesn't necessarily imply that the person doing the job is lazy. Rather, it suggests that the job itself is uncomplicated or undemanding. It's essential to note that the term can be subjective and might be used in different contexts. Some may say or use it to describe a job that doesn't require intense physical or mental exertion, while others may use it playfully to refer to tasks that can be done with efficiency and simplicity. The concept is often used in a lighthearted manner and doesn't necessarily reflect negatively on the individuals involved. So I want to hear what do you both think about the definition? First, I also would love to know ChatGPT's definition of girl boss, but maybe that's a query for another day. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, thank you for that definition. I think it reframed my thinking around it a little bit because I always go on the offensive. Lazy, for me, it means it's defining the person, not the actual role or work system that they're finding themselves in. And also, of course, then I go on my high horse and I go, why is it a lazy girl job and not a lazy boy job? And girl is such a trending word generally. And yeah, to me, it speaks just really to the pendulum swing against hustle and grind culture, which obviously, let's be self-aware, Girl Boss was at the zenith of once upon a time. For sure. We actually wrote about this in Girl Boss Daily, our daily newsletter back in July when it was first trending in the TikTok ether. And something I wrote and that I wanted to note here too, again, adding to the definition is not every job can be a lazy girl job. Obviously, imagine a lazy girl doctor about to do your pap smear. No, thanks. I'm good. But it usually translates to more like admin-based work. 
So receptionists, office coordinators, slash administrators, virtual assistants, or even middle management. Now, we're not saying that these jobs in particular are by any means lazy jobs, but it is interesting because I feel like a lot typically of these administrative jobs usually are done by women or women of color or people of color. It just begs the question, who can have a lazy girl job? Who can get away with it? Well, that's exactly the point that I've been trying to make for the last six months. I feel like I've been beating my head against a concrete wall. When you talk about the types of roles, oftentimes what we find is that there's this general ongoing undermining of the work and skills that women have and offer in the workplace traditionally. And labeling a job as a lazy girl job may undermine the value of the work involved and the skills required to perform it. So in jobs like admin assistants, executive assistants, front reception roles, et cetera, et cetera, where we see that they're over-dominated by women in these types of jobs. We find that these types of roles have always been or had types of terms to diminish them. And what we're finding from that is it's only further reinforcing gender bias and stereotypes that exist within the workplace, but now they're being owned by women. So like using the term lazy girl job implies that certain jobs or tasks are inherently like associated with laziness and are only suitable for girls because they're not adequate or responsible leadership material enough to be in the workforce. And to me, I just see like the pendulum is shifting. We find this with feminism all the time where we take multiple steps forward, only take 20 steps back. And I think that that's a part of this. So I'm like very, very against the term lazy girl jobs. Personally, I'm just going to come out right and say that. So anyone listening to this conversation will probably hear my bias towards it. I've never had access to a lazy girl job. So working as like a receptionist in like a big Fortune 5 company or in an organization that has lots of people where there's multiple people that do the same jobs that you do. I've had those roles, but I've never felt like they were easy or not stressful or like I wasn't constantly operating from a place of hypervigilance in those workplaces. I felt like I was always doing twice the amount of work as my counterparts, regardless of the level I had in the position. But I think that this is a very familiar experience for a lot of Black and racialized women. And I'd even say women in general. And one of the reasons why when we talk about lazy girl jobs, my big question is who actually has access to these jobs and who doesn't? Liz, what about you? Have you had a lazy girl job? Yeah, I'll admit it. I have. I was 21, 22, and I worked in a library. And I wasn't a librarian. That is a very, very hard job. Yeah, I would sometimes take naps under the table with my Blackberry in my palm just in case an email came through. But I'm not a good lazy girl in the sense that even though I was definitely benefiting from this easy chill job that I did every Friday for money when I was in my early 20s, I stressed about getting fired from that job all the time because I knew deep down I wasn't worthy of this job. I wasn't working hard. I wasn't contributing positively enough instead of just coasting and sitting back and just enjoying the fact that I had this super low risk, super low effort job that anybody could do, but I couldn't even enjoy it. And I think the other thing that goes back to who gets to have a lazy girl job. You know, at least back then I was 21. I was still living with my parents. I didn't have huge amounts of bills to pay. So even though I was stressed about getting fired, it wasn't going to necessarily upend my life or make me really stressed about surviving versus now I think we work because we have to. We are ambitious, not necessarily because that's who we are as a person. It's just because we have no other choice but to be ambitious because we have bills to pay and we have cost of living concerns. So even when I had that job, I couldn't fully basket it or enjoy. And I didn't have that luxury then. And I certainly don't have that luxury now. That's another thing that I think is interesting too, is I can understand the appeal. I think especially in like a capitalist society where it's like, if I can go to work and like coast, I'm seeing these vlogs on TikTok and it's like, 
I answer a few emails. I take a few phone calls. I talk to a few people. I have some snacks all while watching, like keeping up with the Kardashians, or I'm able to like work on my side hustle while I'm at my full-time job. I'll admit it kind of does sound nice. Can imagine just like getting to turn off your brain for a little bit while also getting paid decent-ish salary. And that was my initial thought. And then as I was doing more research on this topic, there were a few people with lazy girl jobs that were like, it's kind of overrated because we spend a third of our lives at work. So I feel like not being mentally challenged or creatively stimulated can maybe eventually take a toll, especially if you're not getting this fulfillment like in other areas of your life through a side hustle or passion project or hobby. Isn't that the lie we tell ourselves, Victoria, us keen, ambitious, overachievers who had to get straight A's in school? Isn't that just the lie that we tell ourselves that work needs to fulfill and mentally challenge us when the harder work is to find mentally fulfilling, challenging things in our life outside of work? So we do spend a third of our lives at work, but I think that's the other thing about the pushback against girl boss culture, which again, we work at girl boss where I don't think there's anyone better aware of the origins of this word, this idea that work has to feed you and nourish you and give you everything. And you in turn give everything of yourself back to work is definitely changing. Yeah. And I think like anything, the term girl boss, just like lazy girl jobs has been co-opted and manipulated. And I think it's been stretched to suit people's needs and expectations in terms of how they interpret it. And I think in some cases that can be a really empowering thing to be a part of. But then in some cases, it can actually dilute the overall essence and meaning. Girl boss was initially came from a perspective where Sophia was identifying with her own relationship with work, with how she identified within the workplace and within the actual system of work and within this growing corporate setting that she was in. And as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, I think that that translated into her building a community of other people that found likeness or familiarity or even inspiration in her story. Being a girl boss isn't a literal thing. It is more of like an essence and it's the same thing as a lazy girl job. I know a lot of people that could perhaps on some days interpret their job as a lazy girl job. Perhaps me being a podcast host, someone might interpret that as a lazy girl job in comparison to someone that's working in like fishing or mining or working as a nurse or a doctor. I think it's all relative. The problem is, is that we have people that are out in public now building businesses around lazy girl jobs, doing coaching. It's like now the new pyramid scheme of the infantilization of women at work. And it's not helping us. It's actually working against us. And for me as a black woman in the workplace, when I know we're more likely to get terminated in the event that we show any ounce of spice at work, unsavory behavior, we're less likely to get promoted at work. We make less than our white male and women counterparts. I know that we're having to do double the work for less pay and with less opportunity for growth and development and with less support. I find it really hard to believe that a lot of Black women can just walk into a corporate environment and take on a lazy girl job and just bask in that. I don't think it's accessible to everyone. And I think that the people that it is accessible to are the women that are talking about it openly and proudly on social media. And that group tends to be white, heterosexual, cisgender, non-disabled women. I think the secret is if you have a lazy girl job to really not even talk about it. Just have that be your secret. Don't let people know that something is coming really easy to you. Totally. I can probably do something in an hour that would take other people a day. Do I have to disclose that it only took me an hour? No. Exactly. And I think that also a thing that I keep coming across on that same vein is that we have a lot of people that I'm saying this with understanding and respect and 
love going out to anyone that's been impacted by layoffs, right? But I have literally observed people that five months ago were talking about how they have their cushy tech job where they go in, they answer a few emails, they get their free lunch, they hang out, they've talked to a couple people, they play a game of ping pong. And I'm not generalizing, right? I'm not making, this is like literally something I've observed on social media. And then six months later, they're crying on TikTok on a video that they've recorded because they were just laid off. I am a small business owner. Every single person that works within my organization that's worked in my organization has had a huge impact within the business. We couldn't, for a lot of reasons, survive without them in their role. But if you are literally celebrating how your impact is so minimal within the job that you're in, and then six months later, you happen to be a part of a mass layoff, I'm not saying it's your fault, but you might be able to make sense of that a little bit and rationalize, hmm, okay, this probably might be part of the reason why I'm no longer with the company because the work that I was doing wasn't that impactful within this context or within this role or within the business at that time. It's the thing that people don't want to hear and they don't want to talk about it. This is the reality. This is what I'm observing. This is what we're seeing. And I think that this hyper rejection of the system of work and people trying to individualize what is a collective experience and make it about themselves and make it like, oh, I've got a lazy girl job within this broader system. Like, I don't know a lot of people that just work on their own. Even people that are solopreneurs are working with other people. We're all working together. So to think that someone has more privileges than other people to just skate on by and fly under the radar and do the bare minimum and not get fired and sustain their job and then to be upset when they can no longer sustain or keep that job because their impact wasn't that big, it's ridiculous. It's really not what you do. It's how you talk about what you do. A lot of the time in corporate spaces that gets you promoted, gets you seen, gets you noticed, gets you put on better teams and better projects. I'm trying to think from like a... Gen Z lens here, because I'm a zillennial, I'm 96. So I'm kind of on the cusp, not saying I agree with this, but I'm just trying to think for them, because especially Gen Z and their view of working sometimes, especially on TikTok is like, oh, they are somehow cheating the system, but in a good way, like they're pushing back against hustle culture or protecting their well-being and their boundaries. And obviously the anti-hustle, anti-work, I don't dream of labor movement. That is how they are taking back what's theirs. This might seem like an obvious question, but does something like a lazy girl job or posting about it ultimately hinder or help their career in the long run? Again, I think it depends on how they identify and who they know and where they're working and how good they are at flying under the radar. It's like people tend to forget that bias is an inherent thing in how we make daily decisions and how we operate at work, who we trust, who we invest in, who we hire, who we promote. There are some people that are on the benefiting end of that. And again, I've already talked about who those people are and there's others who aren't. And I'm not trying to make this a race or gender issue, but I'm just trying to point out to the fact that like the same way that Gen Z are trying to dismantle capitalist system, acknowledging that we're in late stage capitalism, all things that I think that are important and, and valid, towing up with lazy girls jobs isn't it. <laughs> it isn't it. That's not the way. It isn't the new evolution that we need in the context of work. New boundaries, sure. Closing down work when you're meant to, not being on your computer after hours, not answering work communication like Slack, et cetera, et cetera, after hours, those are all really important. But to say that while you are being compensated, while you are within a workplace, 
and you're not actually engaging in that work fully or wholly, and you are watching reality TV shows or doing your side hustle, to me, that's teetering on the very fine line of time theft. And then also, and I'm not trying to sound like a boomer, but like seriously, or an elder millennial, but it's time theft. But then also, it's literally not fair to other people that work within that organization that are working those full hours, that are being fairly compensated, and you're deciding to work two out of the seven hours or eight hours that you're meant to work that day, really. It creates inequities within businesses that businesses are literally trying to solve for. So any lazy girl job person that's an advocate for it, that's saying that this is us going up against the system, well, guess what? You're only creating more inequities for the most marginalized people within that organization and people like me who have worked our asses off to get to where we are for your own personal and self-serving needs. And that's how I genuinely feel about that. Yeah, that's such a good point, Avery, because you think that you're sticking it to corporate, you're sticking it to like the Jeff Bezos's of the world, but it doesn't trickle up to that level. What it really does is just affect your immediate coworkers, your immediate team, and it probably causes a great deal of resentment if people catch on to it. I keep saying that. The workplace is not an individualistic experience. And when people think a lot about any system of oppression, oftentimes a big pillar, a part of that is individualism. And the more that we actually challenge individualism in any of our systems, specifically within the context of the workplace and capitalism, that's when we're actually going to be able to dismantle it and make some major changes. We have to think about the collective. I know that you go into a workplace, you have your own independent contract, you're negotiating for your own salary, you get performance reviews, et cetera, et cetera, on your own. But that entire experience is also almost always informed by a set of policies, systems, and guidelines that are defining hopefully everyone else's experiences within that workplace. So for you, to me personally, taking a job that wasn't meant to be a lazy girl job, I don't know anyone that's ever hired for a person and said, "Mm, you know what, I really hope this person just makes it their own and makes it a lazy girl job. That would be the type of person that we want to have here. Forget the full set of expectations we have. Let's just have them do 30% of it. That to me would be the optimal amount of performance from them. That doesn't happen. That's not happening. (laughs) I think the only way you could realistically score an ethical lazy girl job, in my opinion, would be to just do something you're massively overqualified for. For me now, knowing everything I know how to do with the years of experience that I have, if I could just go back to the very first job I had after I finished interning, I could probably just breeze through that job. The things that used to stress me out back then today, I would just laugh at. So that would be my definition of a lazy girl job. But the funny thing is I would never get those jobs because everybody would tell me I was overqualified. And guess what? I would also be taking up a spot for someone who deserves an entry level role. So it wouldn't work. But that's the only way I think you could possibly ethically do a lazy girl job is just to do something you're very, very good at and can do quickly. I also wonder, too, if the concept of the lazy girl job has spiraled to be half-assing your job. Because when I originally wrote the newsletter about this, it wasn't necessarily about half-assing your job, but it was a job that was, for example, remote or hybrid, very low stress, doesn't take much brain power. You don't really have to talk to anyone else. You can take as many breaks as you want. There's no pressure to work overtime. It pays enough for the average person, I put in air quotes here, to cover the cost of living without feeling burnt out at the end of the day. So I just wanted to provide some context of what I initially thought lazy girl jobs were about. That's the problem with TikTok in general. Everything has its own pros and cons, right? And the shadow side of TikTok is that 
sometimes bad ideas or concepts that aren't that realistic tend to 10x themselves and go viral overnight, which I think is problematic for a lot of folks because I think that it's actually encouraging a new way of approaching work that isn't accessible to a lot of people. I would even argue it's not accessible to white, het, cis, non-disabled women either, to be honest. The level of stress that comes along with any role, regardless of the actual duties. So let's just say you do find a lazy girl job. If in some world, in some fantasy that exists, okay? And you can watch TV all day while you're at work from home and you only have to answer a couple of emails here and there. There are going to be moments where there's something going on in the business. Maybe there's financial issues or maybe you have a boss that doesn't really work well with you or you're having to navigate a challenging issue with a client. I don't think that these things are ever binary. And I and I also don't think that you can have a lazy girl job in perpetuity. I think that all jobs have ebbs and flows. For me, there are times because I've gotten more comfortable in my role at Bloom where I feel like it does feel like a lazy girl job because I love it and it's exciting and whatever. I can kind of breeze through the day. But then there's other days that I'm like, they're really, really tough challenges and things that stress me out that I didn't necessarily prepare for that oftentimes have nothing to do with me. It's just because we've allowed external things into the ether. So I I don't know. I, I just don't think that it's something that's possible. And quite frankly, I think that whenever we talk about work, especially acknowledging all of the systems of oppression at play and specifically all the power dynamics that exist within workplaces that are not binary, that go back and forth. But then knowing that we exist in a capitalist system, I think it's predatory to try to convince young women that this is something that's available to them. I think it's an idealistic approach to the workplace. And I think it's very strange that we have people that are like spokespeople for lazy girl jobs. And I genuinely believe that without TikTok or social media, this would not be a viral conversation. And therefore, it wouldn't be holding much weight. People just wouldn't talk about it. What do we think about what I think is like the white male equivalent of this, which is not lazy girl jobs. It's not lazy boy jobs, but it's all of this literature and lifestyle that sort of peddles this idea of like outsourcing work and optimizing your life in a way where you can participate in work as little as possible. Like, oh, have a supplement, an online vitamin and supplement business that does $12,000 in sales a month as a baseline. And then from there, hire a remote virtual assistant in a developing country for cheap to do all the boring admin tasks that you don't want to do. So really, is that lazy girl jobs? See, I don't know if I agree with that because the four-hour work week was centered around like automating and scheduling and basically putting a system behind the way that you work primarily as like an entrepreneur to optimize your time and to make the most of the time that you are spending working. And I don't think that that applies in the context of a lazy girl job because I think that lazy girl jobs are essentially like you are working in corporate, you're hiding amongst the team of thousands of people around you. I don't think that it's really promoting or encouraging people to leverage things, maybe AI now within their role, leverage all this external kind of support and help. But again, I think this only further reinforces my concerns with it, with the whole gender disparity and gender roles issues. It's so funny because when men talk about essentially optimizing for work, they talk about hiring out traditionally, hiring as support, having support at home, et cetera, et cetera. When women talk about something around making work work for you in some way, we just minimize it down to, oh, just get a lazy girl job and hide in some corporate organization where no one can tell what you're doing on a daily basis and how little impact you're having. The whole point that I've been making this whole conversation is I do not think that lazy girl jobs exist. And I'm trying to empower all women 
regardless of where they work, that even if they feel as though they have a lazy girl job because maybe they are part of a bigger team or because maybe they don't make as big of an impact or there's not as much pressure or stress, that that will have waves in whether how you feel that way or not. I think that inherently the world of work, the system of work is oppressive. It does involve stress. It is correlated with your ability to support yourself in your life, especially if it is the only form of income that you have coming in. I think that given the very real power dynamics that exist in any workplace, and I'm thinking back to like when I literally worked at a surf shop during the summer, that was like one of the most stressful jobs I've ever had. And going back to Liz's point, if I were to go back to that first job today, for me, it would be easier, but the stress would still be frustrating. I wouldn't want to go and be there at 9 a.m. every morning physically and talking to people up on my feet all day, folding clothing, having to deal with drunk losers at like 10 o'clock at night and cutting fudge and the things that I had to do. I had to kill a rat once. You cut fudge at a surf (laughs) shop? And people had very strong opinions about how much fudge they got. When I think back to like the frustration, I'm telling you. So yes, could I do that job easier now? A hundred percent. Would it be a breeze of a job for me to move through every single day? Absolutely not. The stressors that were stressors then would still be stressors for me now. And even though I could probably do the job faster and easier because I've done harder things since then, it doesn't mean that those natural stresses that come along with that specific role would just leave the picture. Going back to that, I don't think that they exist. So if you are someone that works in a corporate environment and you think you have a lazy girl job, but it doesn't feel that way, don't feel bad about it because I just think that there's nothing lazy about labor. To that point too, I subscribe to all of these. I don't know how this happened. I became a boss at Girl Boss, and suddenly it's like, as soon as you do that, you automatically get subscribed into all these business boy newsletters that talk about optimizing your life. I don't know how these came into my life, but one of the newsletters, which is Sahil Bloom's Curiosity Chronicles, which every business boy I know reads religiously, talks about the different kinds of productivity. And I think maybe there's something there with regards to lazy girl jobs. Maybe what we think is a lazy girl job is really just productive in a different way. And I think a lot of us, especially if we came up in corporate world, before work from home, before the pandemic, we're used to a very rigid form of butts in the seat, face at the computer, typing, emails, that kind of work was considered productive. It was considered good labor. It's a job well done. Inbox zero, sign of a good day. But there's so much other more passive forms of productivity. The four types of productivity he lists are management, creation, consumption, and ideation. So consumption is one example. That could just mean scrolling TikTok. If you're a social media manager or a marketer, scrolling TikTok is a completely valid, productive way to spend your time because it might be giving you marketing ideas. It's keeping you relevant with what's going on in youth culture. We wouldn't be having this episode if all of us didn't spend a lot of time on TikTok. So I think for me, this is a reminder to really reframe my definition of productivity and what a definition of a productive day looks like, because some days it might mean sitting in back-to-back meetings and not getting anything done. And other days it might mean locking myself in a room and writing and discarding half of what I wrote, but still getting something on the page. So really just productivity, I think, has a very outdated definition. Yeah. Honestly, I think this whole conversation has really reframed my own thoughts about my relationship to my job. Because when I originally wrote this question down, could I be happy with a quote unquote lazy girl job? And I was like, absolutely not. There's no way. And now I'm kind of like, well, why Victoria? Why do you say that? And I think because as creatives, you will definitely understand this. I feel like my job is by definition who I am. And a lot of my self-worth and my 
purpose is tied into the work that I do, especially being a writer or journalist or editor. Like it's just sexy in culture. Oh, she's a writer, you know, like it's very much who I am. And I'm like, without my job, I don't know what my purpose is, which I'm like, be right back, speed down with my therapist, because that sounds really existential, but it's kind of terrifying. I was you, Victoria. I was, I mean, I still am a writer, but I was in a job that I thought was my dream job. I was a fashion editor at a magazine and it was my entire identity. It's what I led with at parties. I went through my day just waiting for someone to ask me what I did for a living because I couldn't wait to tell them because it was so cool. And then I got laid off from that job and getting laid off sucks, obviously. My heart goes out to anyone that's been through it. But what also sucks is the insane bruise to your ego that happens when you have to then untether who you are from what you do. And you do have to wake up the next day without that sexy job to go to. And then you get to do the work of figuring out who you're going to be without that job. For me, I didn't do that because four weeks later, I got myself an identical job at a different fashion publication. So I decided to just kick the can down the road and continue to be a fashion editor and continue to tie that to my identity. It's still a work in progress, but when it happens, it hurts more than just losing a job because you do feel like you have to rip out a part of your personality. Not that I'm wishing that on you, God. I really, really don't think that'll happen to you. But if it ever does, it is a rude awakening, let me tell you. For me as an entrepreneur, thinking about connecting your identity with your job or your title, it's like when my business isn't doing well, I feel like I'm not doing well. It's like if anyone's ever watched E.T. and his connection with the flower and how it like dies when he's dying and stuff like that. I don't know if anyone knows or gets that. Millennials will understand if you've seen E.T. But that's kind of like the feeling you get. So I learned early on that I have to disconnect those two things. So I think that that's been something that I've been really good at over the last couple of years. And it's so funny when I was able to disconnect my identity with Bloom, which I think from an outside perspective, maybe a lot of people don't see that. I've been more open to taking on projects that are outside of Bloom, things like Girl Boss or unique projects with friends, even competitors, because it's not my identity. It's not who I am entirely. So thinking about the whole essence of like a lazy girl job and the description that we read at the beginning of this conversation, it's meant to be a lighthearted thing, my personal take and opinion, and it doesn't define who you are as a person. So I think that you could perhaps find yourself in a job that provides you with consistency and a sane working environment, an environment where you don't feel too stressed or too pressured or too stretched that's good for your mental health and perhaps replenishes your soul and like makes you feel good and proud about what you're doing. But you can't rely on your job to be that all the time because jobs or companies like anything, they're not this binary static thing. They're ever evolving and growing and changing and moving. So in the event that you get laid off or in the event that you get more responsibility or you get a new job or you have a new person that you're working with, that you're not really vibing with and it shifts from being a lazy girl job to something different. This is the reason why I think hyper simplistic ways of framing things just don't really make sense anymore. Again, it's predatory and it sets people up for failure in some cases, but really it sets people up for disappointment. I think that's a perfect place to end this conversation. Thank you all so much for being so honest and open and transparent. I feel like I'm so blessed that we are able to provide such a safe space to talk about these things. So thank you so much for joining me today. And that's a wrap on our conversation about Lay's Girl 